You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, it's so good to have our friends back today, and it's good to have you here today, and it's good to have those people online. Welcome to North Richland Hills Baptist Church. It's exciting to see more and more people week after week gathering for worship, and we're so glad uh, that you're here. Now today, you may not have realized it, but um, I'm going to tell you something that you're probably going to be doing. As a matter of fact, I know you're going to be doing. Would you believe that everybody that's here today, in some form or fashion, is going to make a decision? Somebody, everybody here today is going to make a decision. And let me explain what I'm saying by that. For those of us who are Christians, we have the Holy Spirit already living and working in our lives. And he's there synthesizing everything that we hear and that we see, and he's speaking to us. So whenever you come to this worship service or any worship service, you hear God's Word taught, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you make some kind of decision. The decision may be to ignore what you heard, or the decision may be that I'm going to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to act upon it. So what I ask you to do today is just to be listening to what God is saying to you. Now today, this morning, I'm going to be speaking about my offering of integrity. And our scripture passage is going to be 1 Chronicles chapter 27, uh, excuse me, chapter 29, verse 17. Now we see in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David is addressing the people. And he has just been given the instructions, the God-given instructions for the building of his temple. And he has given them to his soon-to-be king son, Solomon. So as David speaks, he's talking about all the offerings to the Lord that's being given. And he's talking about the reason why they're being given. They're given because The people realize it all belongs to God anyway, and they're giving it out of a heart of gratitude. So as we read this passage today, what I want us to do is to focus on the intent of the people. In checking uh, several versions of Scripture, I found that there were like three different words or phrases that were used in uh, describing the people's motive in their giving. Those words or phrases were, what is right, integrity, and uprightness. So you'll see on the screen uh, verse 17, but I'm actually going to start with verse 14. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and from your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure with uprightness, or in other words, are pleased with integrity. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people 
who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. The people were actually acknowledging the intent of their heart. Now on this day today, the Lord's Day, Father's Day, I want to share with you a principle and a character trait that I think is vital to everyone, but especially to our fathers. I want to speak to you about living a life of integrity. And to echo what Pastor Scott said uh, last week and what he shared, the road to integrity leads through the cross. If you desire to have a life of integrity, you first of all have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you start that relationship with Jesus, then you start having the Holy Spirit living inside you and working inside you. And what you do with this one character trait of integrity, in many cases, is a life and death issue. I know in our first service we had several Marines that were here, and they, they knew what this particular phrase was. Semper Fidelis means always faithful. And that's the official motto of the United States Marine Corps. Now, thankfully, well over 99% of our Marines are faithful to that particular saying, and they continue to go by that motto. But such was not the case in 1987. There were two Marine guards at the United States Embassy in Moscow that allegedly escorted Soviet agents into the most sensitive areas of the consulate, including the Secure Communication Center. Now, what was the result? Damage beyond belief. Entire lists of agents were threatened. Transmission codes were compromised. Plans were exposed. And what was the power? What was it that overpowered these men to do such a thing? Was it, was it torture? Uh, was it firearms? Was it nuclear blackmail? No. What caused them to do this was sex. Their fleshly desires overcame their training, their common sense, and their patriotism. Now, this does not shake my confidence in the Marine Corps at all, but it does remind me that man can and does fall. One of the biggest struggles males and females have in our country at this time are sexual-related sins, and it often, it often begins with pornography. Now, I wrote the bulk of this message uh, more than two weeks ago, and I thought it very interesting last week that Pastor Scott touched on this issue. You may remember one of the verses of Scripture that he used, John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. This particular sin is the type of sin that can ruin lives and can literally lead to death. Unfortunately, Pastor Scott and I both have had very dear friends, friends that were pastors who had a crack in their integrity as it relates to sexual sin, and they fell to that, and that eventually led to death by suicide. Just three weeks ago, another Southern Baptist pastor, this time in North Carolina, same thing, fell to sexual sin, had a crack in his integrity in that area, death by suicide. 
these men allowed that crack in their integrity and I'm telling you if you're going down that road right now to pornography you need to stop it right now I will say that again if you're going down that road of integrity of a lack of integrity in the area of pornography you need to stop it right now let me share another example or a different type of a integrity lost and its results on January the 28th 1986 Krista McCullough climbed aboard the Challenger space shuttle as an as the first average citizen in space those of you who are old enough to remember that particular day the weather was very cold and unknown to the nation as a whole was a group of uh, engineers that were really fighting back great anxiety they were concerned about a particular issue and this particular issue was would the booster seals hold during cold weather was it was it really safe to fly in these conditions now knowledgeable engineers and designers said no but the executives and the decision makers with influence said yes so reason lost out to power and influence and the integrity of the mission was the victim a little over a minute into the flight the booster seals gave way it ignited thousands and thousands of gallons of fuel and it caused a big explosion and it's believed that for three and a half minutes those astronauts were still alive during a 200 mile per hour free fall into the ocean the science of the project was done away with the integrity or the rightness of the prom, uh, process was compromised and the result death how does the how does the dis, uh, dictionary define integrity well it defines it this way steadfast adherence to a strict ethical code it refers you back to the word honesty which is defined as truthfulness and sincerity and very few things <clears throat> Are as valuable as integrity integrity takes responsibility integrity can't be bought it is not a position it is a presence in one's life to really earn it takes time and to lose it it doesn't take but a snap of a finger it is to be cherished above and beyond many many other things in life integrity is setting the standard for purity and not allowing anything else to detour that journey a person person of integrity has pure motives a person of integrity stands true and strong in the Lord and for what is right and anything less than right is wrong a person of integrity behaves in such a way that you have no choice but to respect them we're actually going to look at a verse a scripture about that in just a moment and being a person of integrity opens the door sharing Christ but the flip side is true a person without integrity has a hard time having any validity sharing Christ with others back to our scripture passage 
1 Chronicles 29, 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased with integrity. So where can we go to find an example or a man of integrity? Of course, the obvious answer is Jesus. But as we all know, there's no way that we can meet the standard that he set in and of ourselves. But there is another person in Scripture that is specifically called a man of integrity, and that person is Job. Let me tell you something. Whenever you think you're having a bad day, just go read the book of Job. He was a man who refused to yield his integrity to Satan. Let's see uh, what we can glean from a quick overview of Job chapter 1. First of all, Job had one wife, so he was a wise man. He only had one. Seven sons, three daughters. He was a man of great wealth. Life was great until Satan entered the picture. Let's see what happened. We're not going to take the time, don't have the time to read all of this passage in Job. But what happened? All but one servant was killed along with the oxen and the donkeys. Next, sheep were destroyed. Next, the camels were destroyed. Next, his sons and daughters were slain. Why did this happen? I want to look at Job, first of all, chapter 1, verse 7. I want to read this one verse for you. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. That's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's kind of in the habit of that from the Old Testament to the New Testament to this very day. Satan is alive and real, and he's making every attempt that he can to put a crack in whatever integrity that you've got. One question that, uh, that you might ask out of studying this book is why does apparently senseless tragedy happen to men, often very good men? Well, the fully explained answer to that question would probably take a whole series of sermons, but the very simplified answer to this is given at the very beginning of the book. The answer is given, that's given is that senseless suffering arises at, out of Satan's continual challenge to the government of God. In other words, Satan wants to be in control. Satan wants to be the one that is, that is in charge. But the Lord has a word for Satan. I'm going to read Job chapter 3, excuse me, Job chapter 2, verses 3 through 10. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God, and he turns away from evil? He holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his own life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan 
went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil as well? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So Satan comes to God, and he asks permission to do something to Job. Now, you need to keep in mind, this is not a battle, this is not a war, because it wouldn't even be a fair fight. God would win. But it's a test. It is a test of faith, and it's a very rigorous test. And Satan brings it about, but God allows it to happen. Okay, now, guys, now his wife is on him. And then his friends challenge Job to deny and to lose his integrity. Now, the rest of the book is kind of a discourse of his three friends uh, that, that keep saying, why do senseless tragedies, they answer this question, why do senseless tragedies happen to men? And they answered Job's question. They answered his problems with smug, dogmatic assurances. To them, only one explanation is is possible. Well, Job must have committed some terrible sin. Well, they tried to break down Job's defenses and arguments. And each of his three friends present three arguments. So there are nine arguments all together when you go down through the book. They tried sarcasm. They tried irony. They appealed to his honesty, and then they finally accused him of various crimes. And finally, they gave up, they acted hurt, they were miffed, and they walked away. The whole time, they were trying to attack Job's integrity. Their argument was that if God is indeed just, then the righteous are always blessed, and the wicked always suffer. Therefore, If an individual is suffering, it must be because there's something wrong in his life. (laughs) To these men, the explanation was a matter of cause and effect. It was simple. It was a neat and tidy and logical explanation. It explained everything to them. It explained everything to them or to anyone unless (laughs) you're the sufferer. Job doesn't lash out to God except to express He feels like God is not listening. But let me ask you this question. How many times have you cried out to God for an answer and felt as if God did not deliver your answer in a timely fashion? You know, God's timing oftentimes is not the same as ours. God's timing is perfect as we know, and our timing is not. God's essential argument is that life is too complicated for simple answers. If you're demanding that God come up with simple answers to complicated problems, you really would not even be able to understand or comprehend them. We don't have all the facts, and God does. And man must take the position of just simply trusting him for the answer. Job eventually was overwhelmed by the might and wisdom and majesty of God, and he fell on his face. He repented, 
and he learned the lesson God wanted him to learn. Only God has the right to use men for whatever purposes he desires. In other words, God does not exist for man. Man exists for God. Man exists to glorify God. We're not puppets on a string. He could have easily made us like puppets on a string, but he chose not to do that. We are God's instruments for working out his purposes. And many of those purposes are so complicated, they are well beyond our ability to understand or comprehend. And there are things that we just will not be able to understand. And when we don't fully understand, what does that cause us to do? To exercise our faith and our trust in him. So what is the lesson in this book? Life is too complicated for us to handle. Life can get so complicated that God can't even give us all the answers that we think that we want. We, we just can't handle it. But God is just saying to us, look, look at your life. Look at the many times that I've worked out all these little problems that you've had. Can't you just trust me on this one? Can't you just have a little faith for me to work this one out as well? You know, C.S. Lewis remarked when asked the question, why should the righteous suffer? His answer was, why not? The righteous are the only ones who can handle it. Job handled all of Satan's challenges quite well. So how do you handle what is thrown your way? Do you handle it with integrity? Remember our key passage, 1 Corinthians 29, 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased with integrity. <laughs> One day, everything is bright, it's beautiful. Then the sky darkens. Thunder rolls in, lightning flashes, rain pours you drowning, you barely know what hit you. It can get ugly. It may be that a business crashed or um, a marriage collapsed. A child may rebel or a child may pass away. Or it may be a loved one was diagnosed with cancer. Or it may be that your wife miscarries or your husband leaves. It's a tragedy. It's a crisis. Your life has become a horror story. Now let me ask you the question if that happens to you. A believer, a confessed Christian... Is your God still worthy of worship? <laughs> Can your God meet your needs? Does he care? Absolutely. Is he in control? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. How do you react when things start caving in? Do you react as a person of spiritual integrity? Or do you lose your spiritual integrity? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm just talking about your trust factor. For some people, it may be very difficult. For others, it may be quite easy. You may pass the big test, but how do you do on smaller exams? For instance, do you always, let me ask this again, do you always tell the truth? You know, telling the truth is a matter of integrity. Uh, there used to be a guy that was on the radio and television. Many in this room may not have heard of him. His name's Paul Harvey, but... Many years ago, he was around, and he told the story one day, and I read about the story. I thought, this is pretty good. Well, one day, these four high school boys come into class, and they're very, very late. So they walk into the class, and they tell the teacher, oh, we are so sorry we're late. We had a flat tire. And the teacher looks at them and said, oh, that's too bad. 
because we had a test and you missed it. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you another chance on this test. She gave each of them a piece of paper and a pencil, and she sent them to the four corners of the room, and she said, you will pass the test if you can tell me which tire was flat. <laughs> Do you always tell the truth? Remember, anything less than right is wrong. Dad's today. Today is Father's Day. Don't you want to be a man of integrity? In the book, Seven Promises of a Promise Keeper, which was published, I believe, in 1994, great, great book. If you've not read it before, you need to pick it up. Tony Evans gives us a list of characteristics of a spiritual man of integrity. I wish I'd thought of these. I didn't, but I want to share what he came up with with you. First, a spiritual man of integrity is a man who has had an encounter with God, and he has grown in that relationship. He knows Christ. Look at Job in chapter 1. He had 10 children, yet he was never too busy to get on his knees and pray. Second, a spiritual man of integrity is committed to raising his children. Job spent time with them. Dads, how are you doing with this one? Remember, when it comes to transferring our values to our children, more is actually caught than it is taught. Number three, I want to go back to uh, the book of Job, this time in chapter 29. Third, a spiritual man of integrity earns respect. A real man behaves in such a way that you have no choice but to respect him. Verses 7 through 10. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew, and the aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth, and the voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. He's respected. Number four, a spiritual man of integrity is also a man of mercy. Verses 12 and 13. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him, the blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. He cares for others, and he shows it. Do you? Fifth, a spiritual man of integrity is a person of justice. Verses 14 through 16. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. Does God use you in making wrong things right? Sixth, a man of spiritual integrity is a man of stability. Verses 18 and 19. Then I taught, then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply the days as the sand. My roots spread out to the waters with the dew all the night on my branches. Are you the rock that other people turn to? And finally, a spiritual man of integrity has wisdom. Verse 21. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence 
for my counsel do others come to you for wisdom Tony Evans said you don't have to have a college education to be wise the world is full of educated fools but then he said the most important part of the phrase real wisdom is the ability to take God's truth and apply it to your life let me say that again real wisdom is the ability to take God's truth and apply it to life let's go back to our key passage first Chronicles chapter 29 17 I know my God that you test the heart and have pleasure with integrity you know nations can rise and fall on this issue of integrity so fearful were the ancient Chinese of their enemies that hundreds and hundreds of years ago they built a wall it was called the Great Wall of China they built it super high so nobody could get over it they built it super thick so nobody could bore through it and would keep their enemies away and then they started living life but in the first hundred years the first hundred years of existence the Chinese were invaded three times did they bore through the wall no did they climb over the wall no each time they bribed the gatekeeper and marched right through the gates according to historians the Chinese were so busy relying on the walls of stone that they did not teach their people integrity a lack of integrity can also cost you personally there was a guy that was known far and wide as a builder he built great homes people would seek him from all over the area to build homes for them he built marvelous homes he built huge homes he built fantastic homes but his career was kind of coming toward an end and he decided you know what I am ready to retire so he told his boss he's gonna retire the next day his boss came back to him and said look I want you to build just one more house would you do that for me and he was very hesitant he didn't really want to but he finally acquiesced and said okay I'll, I'll build one more house but when he built this house this last house he built it by cutting corners he built it by using inferior materials he built it by letting things that came up in inspection he let those things slide behind the facade you would see anything but a well-built house well he finally completed the project the owner came back for the inspection so the owner walks around with him and he says oh it just looks beautiful he made so many positive comments about the great house but he never looked behind the facade he never understood that it really was not a very good house so the time came for him to leave they were standing on the front porch and the builder reached in his pocket pulled out the keys and handed the keys over to the guy that built the house and said this is your house this is my gift to you for your years of loyal service <laughs> then he said I hope you enjoy what you built now for many of you God has given you blessings beyond measure you've had all the materials that you've needed all the things that you would need to build a wonderful life 
Are you enjoying the life that you've built, or did you cut corners? Have you taken cheap shortcuts? Are you proud of the building of your life that you've had so far? Regardless of your answer, (laughs) your future is in front of you right now, and you can make that right. Real quickly, let me give you four quick things, criteria that you can use to ensure that you live your life from this time forward as a person of integrity. First of all, consider this. Don't make a promise that you can't keep. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Secondly, commit to keep the promises you make even when it costs you. Psalm 15:4 says that a person is pleasing to God who is pleasing to God keeps his oath even when it hurts. Number 3, confess, in other words, admit when you have failed. When you drop the ball, own up to it. You will gain respect by doing so. And, and fourth, connect to Christ's teachings. John 15, 4, Jesus told his disciples, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In other words, abide in Christ. Because Christ is our ultimate source of integrity. Now, when you've promised to be faithful to your mate, integrity says, except for infidelity, that you'll stay with that person no matter what, for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. If you promise the Lord that you would give him the glory, integrity means that you keep on doing that whether you've been reduced to nothing or you're exalted to the highest pinnacle on earth in the religious realm. If you promised a friend that you would return a call, integrity says that you will return the call. If you promised a child that you'd spend Saturday with them, integrity means that you keep that appointment. A promise is a holy thing, whether made to the chairman of the board (laughs) or a child. And we need to remember that there's no such thing as an insignificant promise. This goes for everyone, and I'm especially talking to you dads today on this Father's Day. If you want to be a person God wants you to be, dads, if you want to be the best dad that you can be, granddad that you can be, be a man of integrity. First Chronicles 29, David speaks of all the sacrifices and all the offerings that were given to the people. And among other things, they gave their possessions. But let me ask you this, what is your offering going to be to the Lord? You know, the greatest offering you can give is your life. And the first step is becoming part of the family of God. Remember, the road to integrity leads through the cross. And if you've not taken that step, I encourage you to do it today and to do it now. And for those who are already part of God's family, one of the greatest offerings or gifts that you can give to God is to live a life of integrity. Dads, one of the greatest gifts that you can receive is a gift that you give to yourself, and that's living a life of integrity. And as you go about doing that, you have a helper, and that helper is called the Holy Spirit. You know, you hear on television talk about, uh, from athletes and actors, uh, this person's a legend and that person's a legend. I don't quite understand that. Really, being a legend is nothing 
I have any interest in being even if I could. But there is something that I want to do. I don't want to be a legend, but I want to leave a legacy. I want to finish strongly. I want my offering to the Lord to be that I live that life of integrity. How about you? What might be keeping you from living that life? Is it impure motives? Is it telling the truth? Is it pornography? And let me tell you, now is a time to make a statement. Now is a time to make a commitment. And I'm going to ask you this one last question. Will you make a bold move right now and say, from this time forward, I will live a life of integrity? Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.